You're listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. Welcome to a special edition of our podcast, recorded live at Intercom's recent event on raising capital. In this episode, Owen, our CEO, interviews Mamoon Hamid from the Social Capital Partnership, our lead Series A investor. Okay, fantastic. Um, so great to be back in Dublin. Um, it is a particularly exciting time for tech in this city, I think. Um, I know a lot of folks uh, in or about to start uh, early stage technology companies. Uh, I suspect slash hope um, a lot of you are in this room. Uh, and so while we had our investors in town for a board meeting uh, this morning, we thought we'd get some additional value add and try and squeeze out of them some advice that we could perhaps all benefit from. So, uh, our first guest uh, is our Series A investor. Uh, We very much fell on our feet when he decided to invest in us. We knew, I knew, very little about venture capital, um, about building businesses like this. Many, many folks uh, have come up to me in the years since to say, holy shit, I would love to work with him. How did you get to work with him? You're so lucky, et cetera, et cetera. He is renowned as one of the best SaaS and SaaS early stage investors in the Valley. He was an early stage investor in Box, Yammer, and Slack, all billion dollar companies, and Intercom, uh, and a bunch of other great SaaS businesses. Um, It's my privilege to uh, welcome on stage uh, partner and co-founder at the Social Capital Partnership, uh, Mamoon Hamid. Welcome. Thank you. Okay, so um, Social Capital is small. There's three partners. You're four years old, five years old? Four years old, yeah. Four years old. So that's small and that's young. Um, How does that differentiate you? What advantages does that bring to your firm? I think it all starts out with our, our mission. Uh, our mission is to uh, really solve some of society's greatest problems with technology and find a way to create uh, equality and a level playing field in areas where there haven't been. And so really it, it starts out, that sort of drives everything that we do at Social Capital. Uh, and that in itself already differentiates that because it allows us to think in different terms, and it allows us to sort of think of the world a bit more fresh. Um, and having come from more of a traditional venture capital firm before we started Social Capital. So in terms of advantages, I think the mindset in itself, just like for an entrepreneur, um, is an advantage. It allows you to think about trillion dollar markets, markets that we're investing in like healthcare, education, financial services, consumer, enterprise, and other areas that we're looking at like real estate and agriculture and climate, um, truly where there's lots of inefficiency, there's lots of things that technology can do, software, some hardware can do, to really unearth and open up new opportunities or uh, create that level playing field for people who didn't have a chance to manage their diabetes or couldn't learn how to code before and get six-figure jobs or get people uh, a, a wealth manager when it was traditionally un, uh, not accessible to someone with only $10,000. You know, this is all 
These are all things that software can do and the companies that we invest in can do now. So, uh, but I think it all starts, that sort of differentiates us, the mindset uh, and how we sort of make our decisions internally. You mentioned we're a small firm. Uh, we're um, getting bigger. You know, we're three investment partners, but we have a whole team of um, uh, folks on our, that help us make good decisions, but also help us uh, help our companies, portfolio companies, including our growth team and data science team that work with our portfolio companies that I think I mean, I'm sure you guys have had experience with. Uh, so, which is something that we've sort of doubled down on uh, at Social Capital because it's a, it's a core expertise that uh, my partner who, was, who built that group at Facebook and took that you know, uh, user base to a billion has brought that same discipline uh, to the growth and data science team where we've recruited a couple of folks out of, of Facebook. So that's, I would say, from an operational level, that's probably the biggest differentiator. Uh, but I think the biggest differentiator is really like uh, the mindset with which we approach investing. Yeah. I've said enough nice things about you. What are the downsides? About, of me? Of, uh, yeah, sure, you can do that too. Yeah? No, what are the downsides of having such a small and a young firm? Oh, uh, well, uh, the biggest thing is uh, working together. So uh, when you create a firm, you sort of self-select people that, just like a startup, you would want to work with. Uh, in the case of uh, social capital, I worked together with one of my partners for many years. And that partner of mine, Ted, had worked together with Chamath, my other partner, for many years. So, but I hadn't worked together with Chamath. So we had to get to learn each other, get to know each other's styles. So it's a how do you form you know, partnerships. And so that's the, that's the learning you do, just like you would do in a startup. Uh, the other downsides, one would think, is capital. Uh, because I think capital is very important. It's a tool. How, how big are your funds? Uh, so we are uh, just over, uh, we're a billion two now uh, in aggregate over three funds. That's a lot between three partners. It's a lot and it allows us to do all, you know, we can do a lot. Yeah. More capital allows yeah. us to do even more. Yeah. But it's a lot to put to work too between it, three people. It certainly is. Yeah. It certainly is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, especially for early stage investing where you're not writing $50 million checks, you're writing five, $10 million checks. Okay, your turn to say something nice about me. Why did you invest in Intercom? Uh, yeah, so, you know, as it happens in early stage investing, uh, you, you sort of become a, you know, you try to decipher the signal from the noise. And uh, many times you hear about companies, products that entrepreneurs are using. Uh, entrepreneurs come talk to us all the time, so we're in this uh, fortunate position to be educated all the time and have entrepreneurs pitch to us all the time. And, Sometimes they pull up dashboards and they pull up tools and talk about, oh yeah, this, let me pull up my intercom dashboard or, you know, to, so you, you hear about a company once, you, sorry, you, don't, you don't actually recall and remember, it goes through one year, it goes out the other. You hear about it the second time, you're like, oh yeah, I've heard about that. And like, but, but you may not have, and you don't remember. But then the third time you hear about it, you're like, okay, well, I should probably pay attention, if, especially if it's in a concentrated period of time. So that was the case with Intercom, and uh, I wanted to meet you because of it. Uh, and the other reason, you know, it sort of resonated with me was uh, I'd invested in a CRM company in the past, marketing automation. I'm not sure how many people here know what Intercom does, but it sort of combines some of these old-school uh, customer-facing technologies into one product. So I'd invested in the, the siloed ways of doing things, and I just thought it didn't make sense that the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. And Intercom sort of brought that 
notion of a, a customer as a customer as a customer, before they're a customer, as they're a customer, you know, maybe when they're trying to, deciding to leave a product, uh, being a customer, along that whole life cycle of a customer, you know in Intercom uh, what's happening. So that notion really is compelling. And uh, I would say the nice thing about, the truly nice thing is that within the first five minutes, I, I knew that I wanted to invest in you, right? And also because obviously what you're working on, not just because of you're handsome and charming and <laughs> you, you, you're a visionary and, um, but you did a very good job telling the story in about three minutes. And what that suggested is, um, it's like, you know, it's like this, uh, the snap judgment that we tend to make all the time in life. Uh, but you, you sort of had the ability, innate ability to communicate uh, what Intercom was three years ago or two and a half years ago, but where it would go 10 years out. In, but without seem, seeming unrealistic about the prospects of what Intercom would be. So that, that tying that, working on the present, yet thinking five steps ahead. Yeah, nice. That makes me feel really nice. Um, does, that, it, yeah, 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 yeah. does it? One final ego stroke. Is it uncouth to say how long it took between first meeting to you sending a term sheet? No. Uh, I th think about... It's less than 24 hours. 24 hours? 20, yeah, yeah so. 24 hours. Yeah, because we met you <laughs> in, in a certain, on a Tuesday morning. So uh, I, I remember because I was trying to meet Owen and we were having a baby at the same time. And uh, the meeting get, kept cushing, getting pushed off and I asked... Uh, my assistant, like, hey, what's up with this meeting with Yogan? Uh, <laughs> and Yogan is nowhere to be found. And so I, I pushed for it to get back on the calendar. And so my partner, Ted, and I, we went to go see Owen. And on the way out of the meeting, we called our partner, Chamath, and said, hey, you got to meet this guy tomorrow. And the following morning, he had breakfast with you. And he sort of, he had the go-ahead from us to, like, do a deal. Yeah. So within 24 hours, we had a deal signed. Nice. Yeah, it was beautiful. I'll never forget the really terrible diner me and Shamath met in. I'll probably never be again there in my life. Yeah. <laughs> in, in Burlingame. It was a pretty dramatic response. Yeah, it was um, the Danish coffee bakery. Is house. that right? I don't know. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, cool. Speaking more generally, though, uh, what do you look for in a Series A stage uh, investment? Uh, it, it, you know, it's always trite to say you look for the founding team and all that good stuff. But, it, you know, truly, uh, product driven founders who have a mission, who are really trying to solve a, a real problem uh, in the world, uh, and have the ability to actually build the product. So there's early indications that there's, they know how to build, and they know how to push it into the market, and there's some early indications of product market fit. Not a lot, but a little, uh, because you know, if it was so obvious to everyone, then you know, we wouldn't be early stage investors. So a combination of those three things yeah. is what we're looking for. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you are an early investor in Slack. You invested like right before it was clear that everyone should invest in Slack. Yeah. Um, why did you invest in them? So uh, I had an unfair advantage. You know, uh, I was an early investor in Yammer. And uh, Yammer, you know, for those of you who remember Yammer, wasn't that long ago, enterprise social networking. Uh, so when Slack was still in, in beta, uh, we got access to, uh, to, to some of the numbers and on every dimension of engagement, so a daily active use, uh, conversion to paid, and uh, the amount of dollars they were able to charge per, per user, there were a factor of two to four on all those dimensions. And it, I did the math and it's like 
a 32x if you multiply engagement, conversion, and monetization. Even at a very small scale with like thousands of users and you're like, this is unheard of, this is crazy. In enterprise, this never happens. There's never anything that's so viral. Uh, there's potentially some network effect. There's some lock-in with, so uh, even though the product was in beta, that knowledge of what another great company, a good company, very good company was, had done, this was like, you know, multiples better was so compelling in itself. And so we were sort of cheating, right. you know? And, but having said that, that was like a big ramp for a product in beta. It must have been scary. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, we wrote a $25 million check, which is the largest check we've ever written into a company. And that just came, that's conviction, right? So when you have so, convic so much conviction around uh, the, the idea, the team, the product. Having said that, you know, Slack was a, a failed company, a failed gaming company, and this was sort of a reincarnation uh, of, a, of a team. And again, this had been tried before. HipChat was there. Basecamp. There were a lot of collaboration products in the market, and just given uh, like my major around collaboration with Box and Yammer, there was I'd spent a lot of time looking at other things, and every single time, like yes, but show me the traction or show me some uh, because it seems like all false positives. Uh, and actually, we we met Stuart uh, four months prior to that right. uh, wow. for the old company he, for, the, for, yeah. for for Slack actually when it was like oh, not okay. even in beta yet. Okay, wow. And it's like this looks really nice, but uh, let's look at some data when you have it. Wow. So, this was the, the the when you invested. That was the first time they raised as Slack. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So so even you know I think the best early stage investors are still looking for some ounce of like traction. And, you know, we, we could have probably done an investment in Slack four months prior at a fraction of the price uh, and, you know, owned a lot more of the business. And, uh, but we just didn't have the conviction at that time, uh, uh, you know, because there wasn't any data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Um, so one of the reasons I'm not sure I could ever be a VC yeah. is that it is damn hard to get into good deals. There's just too much money out there, right? Yeah. Um, there's too many people running around the valley with too much money. Yeah. Uh, we both know that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of investors trying to just, you know, make a name for themselves, get noticed. You know, from, in my mind, and if you ask people who weren't perhaps that familiar with, you know, financing, fundraising in the valley, if you ask them to name a VC firm, they might say Andreessen Horowitz. They've done a damn fine job at getting their name out there. They're the content kings podcasts, events, all sorts of stuff, phenomenal. How does one compete with that? From my perspective, every VC is trying to out-tweet and out-blog each other. Like, what do you do uh, if you don't want to take that strategy? Yeah, I think uh, Andreessen Horowitz has done a, a phenomenal job um, sort of changing the game of venture capital. Uh, having said that, uh, I don't think we look at it as us just doing venture capital. I think. Um, that in itself, there's a lot more technology can be and do than just be venture capital. I think there's a whole life cycle of technology companies. Uh, if we just take a step back, and um, this is a thought experiment we've run inside of our firm, which is if you look at the S&P 500 today, about 10% are technology companies, true technology companies. That's 50 companies out of 500. And we estimate that in 30 years, there'll be 50% of the S&P 500 will be technology companies, so 250 total companies. So the math that we do is, so there will be an incremental 200 companies, actually because the half-life of an S&P 500 company is 12 and a half years, 
there'll actually be 200 times like two and a half, so like 500 companies created in technology that will enter and exit the S&P 500. Which means over the next 30 years, there'll be one company every five weeks that is created, that is a technology right. company right. that has right. the right. potential of being the S&P 500. Right. So there are lots of companies that were created that will solve basic human fundamental needs through technology, whether it's in agriculture or shelter or transportation or climate or real estate or housing. Uh, there'll be lots and lots of companies and you know, our goal is to capture many of those. I think, you know, uh, Andreessen Horowitz might capture some. So it's not a zero-sum game here. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, so we have a decided focus and we think that if we're fishing in deep waters where there's trillion dollar markets, uh, inevitably we'll have a chance to participate in some of these S&P 500 companies. Right, beautifully crafted answer. Couldn't have done that as well myself, um, <laughs> but I believe it. Thank you so much. We're going to get Mamoon back up for the panel, but for the moment, Mamoon Hami. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more episodes, just visit soundcloud.com forward slash intercom. And if you want to subscribe, search for Inside Intercom in iTunes or Stitcher. And for even more great content, check out blog.intercom.io.